Enjoy the richness of crisp apples at Abbott's Magic. This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the MagicWordPodcast.com. Boy, this is going to be a great episode. I had so much fun going back and listening to this and starting to edit it a little bit. There's only a couple of minor edits in here, which I think you'll appreciate. But anyhow, it was so much fun with these guys. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I do want to follow up with a couple of things, uh, one of which I mentioned in last week's episode. I'm going to be attending the upcoming Magi Fest in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm looking for a roommate. And uh, thank you very much. I appreciate people who have called or sent emails or contacted me. I have uh, now a roommate, so (laughs) I'm all set and squared. And for those who will be there, please come up and say hello. I'd love to chat with you and put you on the podcast with me. So we have a little content for the daily reports we'll be giving. Uh, Second of all, I want to also mention uh, we did have this contest that's been going for the last couple of weeks. We've had uh, dozens and dozens of entries, and of course, we can only select two. And on the backside of this episode, I will announce who the two winners were of the contest. But I want to thank each and every one of you who had entered the contest. Thanks for listening to that episode with Seth Kramer and for the nice feedback I've received on that, and he's uh, independently received on it as well. So thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for entering the contest. Uh, This week we're going to be traveling to Colon, Michigan. Actually, it was last year in, I believe, August of 2022, and we were. it was a phenomenal convention on, on so many different levels. It followed Quebec right after the uh, FISM uh, convention, and so it uh, had some top names. So, I mean, so many people were there. It was so much fun. Really had a great time, and I was fortunate to get two of my favorite people in the same room at the same time, and that's Joel Hodgson and also Mac King. Uh, we've had Mac on from time to time on the podcast with just an excerpt here and there as part of a convention report, but really never had time to split him out and feature him on a full episode, which I I've been planning on doing at some point, but when I got two for one with Joel Hodgson, who is the creator of the Mystery Science Theater and uh, currently the showrunner for the uh, rebooted edition of that, I just thought this is great because I've been kind of a fanboy of that show for a long time, as well as for Mac. I've been a fan of his forever as well, having gone back to the early days when he was working in the comedy clubs, and we talk a little bit about that. In fact, that's what this episode is about, uh, talking with these two comedy giants because they both started out uh, working some of the same comedy clubs, uh, apparently up in Michigan. And so we get into talking about that as well as their careers and how they developed and how they went a couple different directions. Matt King took off, so he was going in the direction of Las Vegas, where he is currently the longest-running comedy headliner in Las Vegas. And then also with Joel Hodgson, who then create, had been on Saturday Night Live and uh, David Letterman's show and so many other television shows and has his own unique kind of style. And I uh, suggest you go back and uh, look at some of the videos that I posted on the magicwordpodcast.com where you can see that, or you can just do a search on YouTube and find some of his appearances on television. It's very funny, very good. Uh, But the uh, Mystery Science Theater is kind of what has carved a niche for him in the global community outside of just people who enjoy magic. It's just a very fun and very funny show. So it uh, has been just a, a ton of fun getting to talk with these 
two guys and had me in stitches, and I think that it will you too. So we have a lot to talk about. I'm going to step out of the way and introduce my guests this week. Please welcome Mr. Mac King and Joel Hodgson here on The Magic Word. This morning we have got not one, but uh, two titans of trickery. <laughs> How about that? We were going to be with us uh, here this morning. A couple of guys that, are going to, uh, that have been wanting to talk with for a while, and now we get them both uh, two for one. Uh, one guy uh, is headlining in Las Vegas. The other guy is headlining on television. So there you go. I, Who's uh, the winner? <laughs> We're never going to know, man. If you outlive me, you're the winner. Okay. If you, me, you just go, I win. All right. Well, this is the Battle of the Titans. There we go. Um, There's got to be a movie in here somewhere. Uh, yeah, that was such a good way to introduce us, don't you think? Yeah. I mean. And there he is. First of all, Joel Hodgson yeah, and I'm Matt Joel, King. There we go. This is Joel. So you know the voice. I my voice and do Mac. And this sounds very much like Joel. I know, but you you think you sound like me? No, no, I don't sound like you at all. Okay, but this, so but, but you said both of our names, and now it's confusing. Okay, it I'm Joel Hodson. And I'm Matt King. And I'm Scott Wells. And Scott Wells. And today we're on the Magic Word Podcast. Wait, this is <laughs> an interview with who? I'm just uh, I someone I swear I thought this was Ira Glass. No. I'm gone. <laughs> oh, dude, stay here. Okay. So we, you two guys talk we, amongst yourselves. We between have yourself. a, a long history, and and... It's wild because we really started in the same town within months of each other, but never crossed paths, right? Don't mm-hmm. you think? And yeah, we, I mean, we lived blocks from each other, I believe. Right. In college, he went to McAllister and I went to Bethel almost the same time. Yeah. Right? Like, I got out in 82. And I got out in 81. Yeah, so we never crossed paths. In we, Kentucky? No, no this is in Minnesota. Minnesota. Or Minnesota, yeah. yeah. Okay. We never crossed paths, and then... I probably went into Mickey Finn's, which was the only comedy club in Minneapolis, and Mac. I went there every week. He after went there every week, and I went in there and I said, I'm never going to work here. I, these comics are mean. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't go in there, and I probably waited six months. And you go in there and go, What's the difference? And you start working. So I waited, and he jumped in on it, and I waited till. Till a real club opened. Well, cabaret opened, but <laughs> yeah. was it a real club? Was it a real club? No, they didn't have alcohol, oh. so it's a coffee shop. Oh. So it's so hard to make money. Yeah, with a comedy coffee shop, right? Except spent, you know, charging four bucks for a bottle yeah. of water right. or something. So. I don't think it's a real club, but it was great for me because they were nice. Well, it doesn't right. matter if you're even working for the Lions Club or something, you know, for luncheon for the Rotary. You kind of get experience since that flight time is yeah, important. Yeah, you know? but those the guys club, are polite. Club, and a club is different. <laughs> a club is different. You're working for real paying audiences, uh, and that's a huge difference between we've gathered you, do your bit, you're a captive audience. A club audience, that's... Like, they can leave. They they don't mind being rude. They're drinking. Maybe not... It's serious. Cup. It's serious because they're drinking and they're expecting something. So you have to come across. It's, it's they, way different than... Yeah, and they don't... There's no reason for them to be polite, right? They don't have to... They feel like they're paying for an experience, and if you're not giving them the experience they expect... Uh, that's right, and they, and they, they also... Uh, you know they don't have to see the rest of the audience ever again, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're in a, if you know if you're working at the Elks Club, you got to come back to the Elks Club, and if you're an asshole to the guy who's you know the kid who's doing magic tricks, right? You come back next month, and they go, "Why were you an asshole to that kid?" But it uh, you know they remember Mickey you. Finn's. If you're an asshole 
Old to the yeah. kid. Uh, so the point is the chops. I mean, I got chops doing those kind of shows mm-hmm. like Elks Club, as I'm sure you did. Mm-hmm. Right? You get chops. No, yeah, you're just in front of people. Yeah, you get chops. You need. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, like I'll tell you, I, I have one analogy that's apt where it's like when I was get before I went to college, I just want to be a magician on a cruise ship. After I got out of college, I want to be a comedy magician in a comedy club. And right. that's, a, that's the only difference. Right. But it's a it's a huge shift, right? It is a huge shift. Well, back I mean, then, comedy clubs were a really big thing as well. well they oh, were, no, 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 no. They, that was like the genesis yeah. of clubs. We're I talking mean, 1982, you, 80, 80, 1981. Yeah, there was a proliferation of clubs in every major city. Yeah, but there, not, that, but that, not when we were doing not it. When we, were we, starting. We, were, we were right at the nexus before. Yeah, we were got there lucky. One, we, there was one comedy club in Minneapolis that was in, in a labor union, right? They put up... Wasn't it a drinking club? Like it was a it was union pipe hall? Pipe fitters or something like that. The they, Mickey Finns? Mickey Finns was separated with the pipe fitters thing. They put up, like, walls, right? <laughs> I'd forgotten about right? it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mean so to keep, hard, the, keep the bottles from hitting the sage or well, something? No, or? hard drinking, hard drinking, serious, like... You I mean, know, there, it was laborers, kind of like man. the Blues Brothers. What I'm exper- thinking. No, you know, no, like, no, 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 no. That wasn't not a barrier like between that. you and the audience. Oh, there okay. was no, a barrier between this union house oh, oh, yeah. and the yeah. club yeah. that they yeah. used for I understand. drinking. Yeah. yeah. So, so then, but again, I think that's a difference between us. Where I'm like, I was, I, I'm softer. <laughs> right. You're a teddy bear. I'm softer. Do you think your comedy was a little bit different from each other then as well? Obviously, it is. At the time, back then. That's what's weird about this because Mac. To me, I love the way you played it. Your whole career, man. Mm-hmm. I love the way I admire the way. You I remember played going it. and watching you two or three times in comedy clubs in the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the last stop in Houston, Houston? or something. Yep, right? and I think that... in Columbus one time that uh, there was a magic magic fest going on, and you were performing at the club. Oh, and... at the Funny Bone in Columbus. Funny Bone, also. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. the way Mac did it was completely different than the way I did it. Yeah, well, I didn't get on TV when I was, you know. 30 minutes into the game. Well, he did magic, though, also. <laughs> did you do much magic or anything? Yeah, I thought I was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was why it was funny. But it was, just, well, uh, yeah. I mean, it's your stuff is all, I mean, I would say it's magic-based. Yeah, right. Right? I'm doing right. magic tricks, and yeah, you're, he, you're doing... There's a, there is an onus on Mac that he creates immediately, mm-hmm. that he's a real magician, and it's just going to keep rolling. And my thing was much more clowny, I think. More like Amazing Jonathan? Well, I... I wouldn't say that because he took a lot of his stuff. That was a lot of, you know what I mean? I was really mm-hmm. proud You can say of that now that he's dead. Well, it's okay, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's reality. He's not yeah. going to complain. It's reality. I mean, that doesn't go with the grain like we can't go, well, he took my bed. I mean, unless, it, unless I'm violating some rule. I mean, right? So, Maybe in the next live you so, are. Yeah, so... But in a way, Jonathan was in the mix too. When you think about well, it, well, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, in those clubs, I mean, he was sort of ahead, way ahead of me, certainly. And uh, he and, was headlining, and, and I was and trying he, to get in. And he was a dynamo too; like yeah. he was strong. And he was and working so, the comedy clubs. Did you kind of run into him? I guess around the you circuit? know what? The first time I saw him was the Young Comedian special. Oh, we were yeah. on the Young Comedian special, and. Um, and so that was the very first time I met him. I and forgot then you did that with him. Yeah, they booked, they booked two mag- comic magicians in the same show, and I was certain one of us was going to get cut. Uh, they cut a lot of other people. They booked eleven people, and they used eight of us. Oh, so or at least two or three. And that was where on what? 
That was um, One this of the was early a show HBO on, com- yeah. on HBO. They did the Young Comedian Special, and the Young Comedian Special is where Seinfeld first broke, Pee Wee Herman first broke. Mm-hmm. It's like this showcase for really good comics, and so I got in it, and Jonathan got in the same show. That was in L.A. No, that was in uh, in New York. In New York, Green okay, Steve's, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was so, on HBO. Yeah, it was an HBO thing. So was a that was a really HBO. that was a really good gig. And did they do those every year for a little while? Right, I think so. Yeah. I think so. But that's where I first saw people like um, Pee Wee Herman. First time I saw Pee Wee Herman was Young mm-hmm. Comedians Person. Special first time. They worked with a lot of other guys who were like top notch guys, like Gilbert Gottfried and others, I guess, who were around, you know. uh, Yeah, like we had Bill Maher was on ours, uh Paula Poundstone was on ours, uh, Amazing Jonathan was on ours. I'm trying to think who else. What did they think of magicians? I I recall in being like a comedy club, they always felt like we were relying on props. Um, Yeah, I think there's something to that. Yeah. But, But there's a lot of magicians that suck. Right, and that's I think, the thing yeah. you have to be alert to because if you go hmm. in leaning on the magic thing, they'll go, "Oh, there was a guy here last week who was terrible," so it doesn't really help. Yeah, mm. that's right. But uh, but but also, it's justified, right? I think Agreed. because so many co- quote unquote comedy magicians, you know, they buy a trick and they do it right the that day. The, 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 well, <laughs> Unfortunately, or even if they work on it, even if they practice it, comics know. Hey, you can buy your act, and they don't it's respect true. that. It's right? really true. And it's so, really true. And so, because the pattern if, comes with the trick. Yeah, that's right. The jokes, you know, in the instructions. And so, if they see though that you put in as much effort as they do, mm-hmm. then you know, then you know, some of them I think will never come around. It's like you're a prop act, and it doesn't matter whether you uh, work on it. Mm-hmm. It just matters that you have. You're not a monologist. I got a thing. I got but, a thing about that too with other comics because when you meet a, a new act and you know that they're motivated and they're talented and they don't need anything from you, you become friends. Right. You just yeah. go. You're cool because I don't. You don't need anything from me, and oh. and you're going to be this self-determined thing that goes through. And you just go. I'm relaxed now because I don't. You don't need me to validate you. You don't need me to help you. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun. And I think I met a lot of good comics that way because they're just looking at me, going, "Yeah, I can't stop him. He's just going to go. He just wants to do this." You yeah, know what I mean? That's so, right. Yeah. So that's that's the other piece of it with comic to comic for magicians because if there there are great, obviously great comic magicians out there, and there's just a lot that. Or hobbyists, you know, and you can't be mad at them. They're just hobbyists. They're having fun. They want to get on stage. Well, yes and no, but you can be mad at them. And this is something I was going to say, Mac, that actually there are a few things in my life that are highlighted, like when I first met my wife and when we got married, and there was a thing in your show once even that still is resonating in my mind in which there was someone in the front row was taking notes, and you went over and said, what are you doing? You're stealing my babies. And do you, I don't know if you even was remember that, that a moment. magic convention. No, wait, I thought it a real show. It was. I think it might have been. Wait, what uh, happened? Now, now I say that I think it might somebody, have been. He said that he was at one of my shows when, and I somebody was taking notes in the front row, like, and like oh. a of his lines. I mean, you don't care, right? Well, back then I, I kind of did. Yeah. So, guy, so did you? Does that sound accurate? Does that? I mean, sound I accurate? could have done that. I, I, I certainly did that at. A, I remember doing it at the Columbus Magi Fest. Yes, maybe that was. Uh, it was a Columbus uh, Magi uh, Fest. Yeah. In, in my act. Yeah, like that's not okay. This isn't a lecture now. Yeah, that's this correct. This is my act. So correct. they're going. 
I guess I can take this too. Very funny bit. I'm going to remember that. Here yeah, goes I'm in a different way. market. He'll never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think too, Scott. The the idea of magicians kind of interacting together, we we kind of don't like it. Like we we want to be the only ones. Like we want to be kind of the only ones. It doesn't always work mm -hmm. when they're stacked up together, like at a convention. But when you like each other, it's fun. Yeah. You know what that's, I mean? But, that's but why I we're here. When, but I think when you're right? starting out, like when I was a teenage magician, it made me, like, I don't, if there were other kids that were kind of getting into it, I'd kind of get a little nervous and go, mm -hmm. oh, no, you don't, wanna, you, you'd rather collect stamps, I I'm pretty be, sure. I want to be the only one. <laughs> I, I was nervous about it. Yeah. But what about you? Were you like that? Because you're, like, tight with Lance. You're friends, right? More than friends. Yeah. I mean, literally. Oh, you're from Kentucky, so. So when did you determine you were friends with Lance? I'd like to know we that. We were 14. Uh, we met at the Louisville Magic Club when we were 14, and we've been good, good friends ever since. And we did the Mac and Lance show. And I think, I mean, I, you didn't, I don't know whether you had this, but I thought this was very advantageous for me to have Lance Burton as my pal, uh, you know, if I'm working on something, he's got a good eye. Turns out he knows a lot about how to be a magician. That's what's frightening about him, because <laughs> you go, especially when we were young, he's so damn handsome, you didn't want to give him that. <laughs> right? You're like sitting there going, he's no, I, well, I mean, it, like it was a, also great for me, too, when we were like 18, you know, like, all right. I know I'm getting this. <laughs> I'm getting the second best looking woman that we see. <laughs> Girls always travel in pairs. Always one good looking one, yeah, and so yeah, guys I, the same I way. Don't guys. Believe me. <laughs> so I don't want to. I don't want to lose the thread about you and me, though. Right. right? Well, I think because, you're handsome too, Joel. Thanks, man. Okay, so I just gave you a huge compliment because I said you stuck with it. You have this thesis about your magic act. That is like different than any other magician I've seen, and you you stuck to it and it works. And when I first saw it, I couldn't figure out how this was going to work. Like I just couldn't get it. You know, and it's worked and speaking of which, Jonathan said the same thing to me. He said almost those exact yeah. words. He says, you know, the first time I saw you in a club, I'm like, I don't understand why. How's he? I don't understand what he's. Yeah, how is this going to translate? What's his character? To, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Because he, there's TV, and then there's like a career, and you're like going, okay, well, this will work on. It. I just didn't get it. But your whole thing was always motivating this group of people. So they come in. By the end of it, they get you. They had a blast. They did things they didn't. You're think talking was about gonna, the audience. Yeah, the audience yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah is usually your whole thing. That's all I really cared about. You know, yeah. I, all my friends were like, I want to be on TV. I, and, you know, I mean, I had a number of friends who, you know, stand-up was their vehicle to sitcom, mm -hmm. right? And so, and, I mean, that would have been great. I would have liked that. I don't think it's going to happen at this point. But was that your goal early on? No, you were thinking I mean, you're seeing. It was in the back of my head that that was a possibility. But what I really or liked... walk on as a character like uh, like Harry, yeah, Harry, Harry Anderson, did. yeah, yeah. So yeah. Like those all like those that. things were like you know that's a possibility and a, you know but lightning could strike. But yeah, but I, that wasn't the end be all and end all for me. I liked being in front of people 
And so was Vegas your long-term goal then? No, not at all. I didn't think Lance. You were going to do more me. theme parks. I knew you and Lance did no, those yeah, theme no, parks. I, clubs. I really, you know, I like to be that's in when, that environment. That's I when, like, I, and that's when I started to get you and started to hear about you because especially you'd come in and because of the stuff I was doing. Yeah, no, I would go to a club up, and they go, "Do you know Joe Hines?" Yeah, and they'd mm-hmm. say the same thing to me. The juicy Mac King, we love Mac King. And I'm like sitting there going, "I thought you just said juicy Mac King." Like, I, <laughs> well, it listen, it would did it you see certain clubs? Certain clubs, you just hit a wall and, they, and it was way juicy in the Mac. south. But they call you Juicy Mac King, and I there's a new name right there. This is happening. Once you're past the the Mason Dixon line has something to do with this, and he's Juicy Matt King. So, it's like the legendary Wid. Or, so, uh, oh my that Woody Allen movie? Juicy? Oh, man. Uh, oh man, I can't think of the guy's name. But there were a lot of in the South. There were a lot of crazy names like Ollie that. Joe Prater. Ollie, well, yeah, but but um, anyway, but anyway, so I would hear about Mac, and um, and it was always like they would just were, were like so enthused. They were always really enthused, so that you get that reflected back. Mm-hmm. Did you get that from me? Yeah, that's they a, yes. That they me? they did that with you, but also, I mean, you had the big advantage. I mean, you know, how many Letterman spots? Like four. And four, and Saturday Night Live. About four and, or five. Yeah. yeah. And so young all those young, yeah. So all those things at that time. I mean, you had you hadn't done uh, Mystery Science Theater at that point, but yeah. uh, but I mean, you had all these. Ex- you know, actual exposure that sells tickets. That's and right. I didn't have That's that. That's right. And your thing's all word of mouth. You're making it happen. And it's like a reputation, which is more like the way it used to be. Before. It really you wasn't until you hit Las Vegas that you started getting some TV specials and things. Is that right? When Gary Willett no, put you no, on no, and all no, that? Was, that was before Las Vegas. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah, yeah we lived in L.A. And uh, that, was a, that was luck. Hmm. Or, that, again, Lance Burton. The, they were all... All those guys, Gary and the producers of those World's Greatest Magic specials, uh, were in Las Vegas to see Lance Burton's show. Because he was over at the uh, Body Factory. uh, He was at the, no, no. Body Shop. Body Shop. But this this was after that. He was already at the Hacienda. This is after the Grand Prix. Mm. Yeah, this was, he was at the Hacienda with his own show. So those, at that point, but it just But he had a great, amazing reputation. Oh, yeah. No, he was on, yeah, no, he was on The Tonight Show a dozen times, Mm -hmm. whatever. But uh, he, uh, they, they were all in the audience to see Lance and talk to him about being on those specials. And... He happened to, in, I was happened to be in town, either working a club or just visiting him, I don't remember, but I was in the audience, and they said, and, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, my favorite magician, I think the greatest magician in the world, Lance is said in the this. audience tonight, Matt King. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, who the hell is yeah. Matt? You know, and so they came over after the show and introduced themselves. And, and you do the rope trick. And I did, it, you know, did you actually do Lance's something? Showroom. Doing the showroom. <laughs> no, but did no, you, but do, I, did you so do they, the rope trick then, though? The uh, rope trick opening that you do. Oh, uh, yeah, in my act. So yeah. if you see so that. They, so they, well, that, I happen to be at the castle like in two weeks, and they all came mm-hmm. to well, see me at the Magic Castle. And if you see that, it, I think it's kind of over. Like if you see Mac do that rope trick and you're a booker, you're like booking it and go, absolutely. When you could play like last night for that the Amish beat those kids and everything with just a borrowed clothesline, I, I, it was amazing. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was very like, good. You do a trick, and I'm like, 
if you can get me a piece of clothesline and some scissors. Man, so I, of course they do, because they have to yeah. dry their clothes on the lawn. Yeah. You wrap their only way of getting clean. Well, yeah, the first rope like, they brought... Are you okay if it's six inches shorter when I'm done? <laughs> the first rope they brought you was for, like, a horse collar or something. Yeah, they brought, yeah, they brought me some braided nylon <laughs> this thing. And I'm like, the finest rope gathered from five families. Yeah. <laughs> from the braids of their hair. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway. So then that got you on television by, by watching that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But you, what was that you alluded to earlier? Something about Joel that you had like thirty minutes or something, and that I mean, someone saw you at a comedy club and said, "Hey, you'll be great for the show." Well, I had, I had my my set was always like forty minutes long. It always was. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, well, that's what, that always... was the only complaint I ever heard about you. Well, yeah, he doesn't short. do enough time. Yeah, too no, short. <laughs> but I, but, uh, you but were I, always a headliner. Though. I was headlining from the time I was in college. Like, wow. When I when I by the by w- the winter of my senior year, I was headlining, mm-hmm. and um, and then I pretty much just did it after that because I got on TV within a couple of months of being in LA, and I was 22. So mm-hmm. that's when it started happening, and it just helped sell sell clubs. But I didn't like doing the road either. I wanted to like keep coming up with stuff, and I didn't know why. You know, yeah, why, and that's why, another why, difference. Why I, that's another difference. Yeah, right. I, I like I like you know. Hey, is this funnier if I'm putting more weight on my right foot? Yeah, you know, I mean, that kind of shit. I think he's right. I think his way is the way to go. Because I just churned. I just would no. keep churning stuff, and I was doing this other more reckless thing. To see if it work? Just and, try it. But, but it I mean, doesn't. But it's like, now what do I have? Nothing. I have a box of props <laughs> just sit in a box and I look at them every now the new carrot top I have yeah. to move them <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. that's what I always think about for you that you are yeah that's right <laughs> carrot top um, so I was going to ask you then just not about comedy clubs because that uh, had kind of gotten you started but then also the genesis really of creation of things because one of the things that I still use regularly was that uh, air pressure gauge thing Oh, so it's man. it's amazing, and so oh, yeah, you sold that, didn't you? Well, I just ma- manufactured them. I didn't really sell the rights to it. I, I think Doc Eason made like five of them. That's what he said to me. Mm-hmm. I think he uh, did. He said he made he made he made nice versions. Of he them. may have, that but may have been so where I got mine. Yeah. Is from Doc. He sold them, but but we only made an agreement that he would make twelve of them or something. Mm-hmm. You uh, know what I mean? And they were well made. So I still own the rights to it. I haven't sold the rights to anybody. Yeah. But so if anyway, you see one, they're really not available right now. Um, no, they're not, unfortunately. And I'd love to get one because I think it's a funny bit. It is a great bit. Did you make the first one? I I made you know, you about, can make another. I know, but it's just like yeah, I will, I will, absolutely. You're right, you're right. What am I thinking? I have to get my own made. I have to do that. Um, but I just don't have it because I only made like two dozen of them. Mm-hmm. I lost so I just lost money on it because I wanted to get into it. I only did made like two dozen of them, and there's so much work in it. Right. There's hours of work, and I sold them for like ten bucks a piece. Yeah. To job them to like Magic Inc. I think I I think Magic Inc. sold them for me for a while. Ah. But um. For those but who are listening, by the way, just I'm to describe glad you it. like that. I'm really proud of that bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to describe that real quickly for people who don't know what we're talking about. Basically, it looks like a tire pressure gauge, and then you like hold it up to your ear, and by pushing the little clip on the side, then it shoots out. And but it also makes the noise. It goes. Yeah. So it does that too. So it's very yeah. deceptive. It looks like your head is like a tire. Mm-hmm. And so, and then it came with a little booklet on different gags you could do with mm-hmm. it. 
Um, I think the way I used it was I put it to my head and looked at it, and I go, oh, that's why I keep turning to the right. <laughs> oh, is that right? That's funny. I thought you – I thought, man. I always say – I was going to say, I always say, oh, I'm about uh, court low. <laughs> I thought you said, Joel – I'm under a lot of pressure. I'm under a lot of pressure. Right. Did you not right. say that? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely right. I'm under a lot of pressure right now. And both ways. I did it both ways. I did yeah, a bunch yeah, of gags yeah. with him. But you're right. Yeah, That's yeah. how I used to do it. I, it's so literal, too. I'm under a lot of pressure. Oh, what's this? Oh, pressure a... gauge. <laughs> Good night, everybody. That's off. I wrote That's that. My, that was your my tribute to magic. Good night. <laughs> I'm so proud. I'm so proud. So was that one of your first things that you had invented as far as like a prop kind of a thing? Or was that midway? Well, okay, so this goes back to us being kid magicians. And you want to participate with the culture of being in magic. And you see stuff marketed. And you want to get into it. Like Max, I mean, look at we're looking at the guys. But you never really marketed anything except lecture notes, basically. What about all the magic tricks? Yeah, I mean, for the public. Yeah, for the public. Yeah, I've done three magic sets with Barnes & Noble. I did two with a company called Fundex Games, and I've done now, you know, uh, now my own, mm-hmm. you know, manufactured yeah. in China, and uh, and then a couple of books for the public, right? Yeah. So tricks yeah. with your tricks with your yeah, head. But I'm but I'm saying so, yeah, it's for that, a successful magic trick should go outside of magic, actually, to the I mean? public. If you want to really make yeah, money, I, well, like, no, if you want to have a good idea. Oh. If you want to have a good idea, like I Kevin think, James's hand, I agree. I agree. That's the apex. Uh, good point. Of something that works for magicians, but it's there's not that many of us. So once that's satisfied, to then have it go to another level where you could sell a lot of them. Delight, really for an cool. example. What's that? Delight. Of- I think delights. Yeah, delight is neat, and it works beautifully. And obviously, its success speaks for itself, but. I think that's real cool too. Like to go, it's like skipping a stone, right? And one yeah. of the skips would be in the, you know, registers with magicians, and they like it. But if it's really great, could it go beyond that? Could it? Could is it is something easy that the public could do? Could, is it yeah. well designed? Even my dentist has got a delight. It's about you know? des- it's about design, right? Can you design something mm-hmm. that's easy to do and effective, right? Right. But that's not your end goal of trying to create something. You're probably creating it to begin with for your act and something that works for you, right? Yeah, it's like a funnel. I mean, you start real broad. I'm going to draw it on this piece of paper here. It's like a funnel. I know what a funnel looks like. Any ideas? Uh, <laughs> any idea is. Yeah, he's drawing a funnel. Any idea? You start really. Speaking wide. of fallopian tubes. Yeah, it looks like a martini glass. <laughs> and those are olives, or no? Nope, that? that's fallopian that's, tubes. No fallopian tubes. All the eggs are here. That's right. They travel down. That's right. And, and then lucky, one lucky egg. If you're lucky, one of you will be right about there, and he'll be the strongest. Get a little swimmer. A little swimmer right. makes it all the way through. So anyway, um, but but yeah, of course, but that's design. You start with very broad ideas, and they somehow check boxes that you like. They mm-hmm. make you happy. They're funny. Um, like Nick. Uh, Defat just mm-hmm. uh, just kind of pitched an idea to us like the other day with the duck that we're. Just, oh yeah. He pitches it to me. I go wow. He pitches it to Mac. Wow. Pitch it. Caveney walks in. He tells him. He goes great idea, and that's how it starts. Mm-hmm. And then it, it helps to have really smart friends. Yeah. That's the other thing I was going to say about Lance. Actually, is that you know I don't know whether you had this growing up, but we we're talking about as a kid. You know, having Lance Burton as your pal. We got sidetracked by women, but 
uh, <laughs> we were talking about it earlier. Yeah. But but also, I mean, having me to be able to look at his act, you know, go yeah. down in his basement and I sit on the couch in his basement and he does his act and I go, nope, that's can try it like this. And he did the same for me. Yeah. Right? And it's a huge... Well, it's good to have help. someone who's a friend oh. who has a good perspective of magic and a background, so this way they yeah. can actually... And it turns out he has a pretty good background. And, and, <laughs> and, and, but, I mean, I always felt like because his act was better than my act, I was a better coach. Mm. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. He, well, yeah. Well, he benefit well, more what? from my coaching than I benefited from well, his. Listen, at the end of the day, I think it's, you know, how can you measure that, really, I think. Well, like in millions try. of dollars. Like with, oh, with a tire right. gauge. You measure with a tire that's gauge. Right. I believe we have a measuring. <laughs> right. It's called money. Right. <laughs> uh, and going back to TV then again, that you also then, uh, I've been fascinated by Mystery Science Theater since the very beginning. I remember a friend of mine back in Midland, back in the early 80s, was telling me about him and his son, my buddy uh, Charlie McFarlane, who's a trade show magician, would say he and his son would turn off the sound and they would kind of do the voices sure. and kind of make up a movie, sure. like what is actually going That's on here. Silent films, they used yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so was that kind of where you got the idea? And then with... Uh, no, no, not in the least. I got the idea from... Um, uh, Elton John uh, album cover. It was a double wide uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, and there was like illustrations for each song, and there was a illustration for a song called "I've Seen That Movie Too," and it mm. showed little uh, silhouettes of theater seats and two people watching a Clark Gable movie. And mm-hmm. in high school, I looked at that and I go, "Oh, that'd be a great TV show. You run a movie and you have people crack wise. I mean, we didn't wow. we call it movie riffing now, but yeah. back then it was just." Ha- you know, they say stuff or they're heckling or whatever. Right. And But nobody's given development deals to kids in Green Bay, Wisconsin, right? <laughs> Especially kids like me who can't get a, can't get a break. <laughs> but anyway, so that's how I got to it. And I had seen people do that. I mean, I remember seeing people do it, and I was always kind of... I mean, I think Woody Allen did the very best version with What's Up, Tiger Lily, for mm-hmm. revoicing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, Fireside Theater was also doing that. Great. The guys from The Goon Show were doing that. So lots of people were revoicing stuff. Yeah. But not riffing. Riffing is completely different because riffing, you don't touch the, um, you don't touch the movie. You just talk over st- it. Well, no, you you insert stuff when people aren't talking. Oh, I got you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So whenever there's no dialogue, is mm-hmm. when you can talk. And so that's kind of the difference, and that's what's unique about it. And so when people go, but really, you got this from, uh, what, oh, L.A. Connection, right? And I just go, well, not really. It's just I saw that, and I was kind of like, it's interesting. But they, I don't think conceptually they had figured it out. They really closed the knot on why are you revoicing a movie? Why? But obviously it's, it's well scripted, but it also comes from your background of improv, I assume. No, I never did improv. What about you, man? Nope. I took some improv classes in L.A., and I'm like, I just feel inadequate in this environment. It's hmm. a type. you got to be a yeah, type yeah. to be improv. And I, and I think a lot of magicians don't do improv because they're trying to present themselves. They're trying to present a personality. Mm-hmm. And improv people are like, I can do anything. Yeah, I can and be anybody. I can be anything or anybody, but that gets in the way when you're... Like, stand-ups and improv people are very different, I think, cats. They're a little bit, they're wired different, 
Mm -hmm. An improv person is not necessarily going to be a good stand-up, and a good stand-up is not a good improv person. Yeah, I think there's a reason Drew Carey is, you know, like, whose line is it? Whose line is it anyway? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I think Drew, you know, (coughs) sitting there as the moderator was great, but I think he would have been bad as one of the improv guys, right? that's not his gig. Yeah. So they're really different people, and I think that's why clubs helped us so much, because it Mm -hmm. gets you sharp. And it gets you kind of feeling your way through it. Like yeah, you're what? feeling your way through it. I mean, you're you know you're up there trying to figure out who you are in front of these people, yeah. and and they help, right? If you're a good listener, uh, they help you figure it out. That's yeah. a that's a big thing that we've been talking about this week, and and that's what's so great about Abbott's is it's it's very chill convention allows you to time to spend time with people, and we've been talking about what performers l- really listen to their audience mm-hmm. and what what performers have such a strong agenda that they can't hear the audience even if the audience is not rewarding them they'll just keep going so words, you got to read the, the room the audience the audience is unhappy i'm unhappy but i'm going to keep trucking you know and it's like a, a good well, listener will go but if they're paying you to do a show and they're not necessarily paying attention they're paying you to do that show and there may be a bunch of drunks in the back but you know five people up front you got to press through and do what you're supposed to do though right yeah i think that's a different thing though and it, that's, it, that's it, not what, really what we're talking about is when you're you're building your act yeah. right and the idea with building an act, to me, is not do anything that's contrary to your personality. You're, mm-hmm. you're constantly trying to shape who's Matt King in front of the audience, who's Joel Hodson in front of the audience, and you don't want to violate that. Mm-hmm. You just want to support that. And but there can and be a, surprises, right? I mean, yeah, sure. Because I mean, I've sure. thought you and, know, and I've thought have, about that a lot. Because right. people say, "Oh, my character wouldn't do that," and I always my response to that is, you, "Dude, if you do it." Then your character would do it, and an audience would. Oh, right? And so, an audience would help you figure that out. Like, like Lucy that. Darling, yeah. it's got a perfect act. I mean, she won't reach down and pick up things because that's not in her character, you know. Yeah, right. So once you get into character, you know what a person, what you would do in that in that character. Well, the audience shows you what that is. Is what we're. Saying. Oh, I see. I see. The I see. audience tells you, and a lot of people cannot really. For whatever reason, they're not really interpreting the audience the right way, mm-hmm. and they don't really have maybe maybe or maybe not have strong way of knowing who they're supposed to be on stage. And somehow we had to get to that. So, but you got to it quick. I felt like you know why? Why do you think J, he did and he did? You uh, didn't. You know all because that I stuff. was a kid magician and I was yeah. and I was very autonomous because I didn't have Lance didn't have Lance. As my yeah. best buddy. I didn't <laughs> <But> get <laughs> <laughs> but I, but but for me, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, I mean, I went through a number of different sort of personalities. I mean, I yeah, did this sure. Belgian, you know. Oh, that's you right. With saw the, that, right? With, I did with the Norse uh, yeah. helmet. Holy cow! Do you remember that? <laughs> I, I said I was Viking from helmet. Belgium and talked with a funny accent. What was that's the name? Amazing. What was your name that you was? The Baron Maximilian von King. You don't <laughs> remember that? No, I, I never. I mean, saw that was, it. I mean, that was early. I never but, saw it. But I it, never saw it. But I was like, uh, yeah. And so I was like, and then, so I did that, and then people started going, oh, that's funny. That's like Andy Kaufman. And I'm like, yeah, That wasn't where you were going. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it was, I mean, once you see that, you go, 
Oh yeah, Boy, my, my future is doomed because I'm a second-rate Andy Kaufman at this well, point. He was, Andy he, Kaufman, Andy Kaufman opened like I always cite him as one of the most important influences in for me in comedy because you had to really he was he was kind of not being he was making the audience really be on their toes like you really had yeah. to like be alert. And kind of listen and think about it. And some people just didn't get him. Like, well, I remember... Like Stephen Wright, also. I mean, he just moves on. Well, he's a great joke writer, though. He, yeah. Kaufman didn't deliver jokes. And, you know, if you listen to Stephen Wright, he's like a brilliant joke writer. So yeah. it's very... Yeah, um, those are different. Those are complete. I mean, I don't even know. Okay. Stephen those two Wright. Stephen Wright is very product oriented. You listen to him, and it's boom, boom, boom. I boom. just saw him in Vegas two weeks ago. Where yeah. are the jokes in Andy Kaufman? Where right. are they? There yeah. might be There's a lot of visual stuff. Two. Mostly is. It's, it's I think it's conceptual. conceptual. Yeah. yeah, it's conceptual. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> but anyway, so so, so anyway, I was so doing that's that. Great. That's I, great. I was doing and, that. And you had to do that to kind of go. Well, it's I'm kind of going in the right direction, but something yeah, isn't. Quite maybe right. it would be better and easier if I was that guy because I was really I wanted to make people uncomfortable at the beginning and really have. Try to see how much of a journey I can yep. take them on it's from important. the beginning to the end, feel like right? Yeah. And so, uh, and so, being a hesitant guy from Belgium was my way to do it initially. But then I, you know, when I started getting pushback, when Andy Kaufman sort of showed up and blew up, and I'm like, oh yeah, he's doing the same thing, but better, and he's already famous. Yeah, I can't yeah. do that anymore. Right. 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 So uh, maybe I could just be the same fella. As I am, but be from Kentucky instead of Belgium, and that would ring a little more true because, in fact, I am from Kentucky. But <laughs> so, that, but that's, that's yeah. not. But again, that kind of reality, that kind of self-illumination, yeah. isn't easy yeah. to get to. To kind of go to find why you're funny. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. No, of my, how, I'll yeah. give you an example of how I learned how, how I started to learn that I was funny, mm-hmm. and I was very honest. And what I wanted to do was, I'm going to draw a picture here. I created this thing called the frizz, the frizz bat. And it was like a curved piece of aluminum, and it had a canvas cover, and then it had latex on one side. And then I took a Frisbee, and I put a, rubber ba- uh, a big, thick rubber band around it. And you could throw the Frisbee. This was on a handle with a fulcrum and like a spring. You threw the Frisbee, and you could hit it like a, like a bat. It was a frizz bat, I called it, okay? And I was certain that this was the, the sport of the future. The next it's best like thing, yeah. Lie. It's high lie or something. So I'd go down to the gym. High lie's not the sport of the future yeah, either, right, by the way. So I, went, so I went to the gym, and I set up the video equipment uh, from, you know, you know, how, from, how, from the AV AV company. So in, you're in high school at this point? No, no, I'm in college. Oh, okay. I'm in college, and I'm going to the gym. And I'm doing tests with it. I'm I'm swinging it, and I have a friend who's good at throwing the frisbee. And we're recording the whole thing like like this is this like it's like the Wright brothers learning to fly, or something, <laughs> something like really seriously, and it's working. And um, so we're unpacking everything, and I'm walking through the I'm walking through the halls of Bath Hall with this frisbee and this stupid bat. And a kid kid walks by and goes, "What's that?" And I go. It's the frizz bat, and he just started laughing at me. <laughs> he just laughed at me, and I and I had that moment like I'm actually I can't help it, but there's things I do that are funny, and I have to accept that. <laughs> and I think you got to that too yeah, around yeah. the same time. So, 
So that's what it is, and that's the rugged thing about what's a good magician and what's a kind of pass. A magician you want you're willing you're willing to ignore because he's not memorable. Is is he honest? Does he know why he's funny? Does he know what people think? Well, you know how do you how to lean into who you are, right? And do you think that that is attainable by everyone? Uh, because I've had this discussion with Penn, mm-hmm. who says, "Yeah, you know what? Anybody could do this if they worked hard enough." And I like, I don't, I, maybe, I don't agree with maybe, that. but some people just don't care that deeply. They've got other things, and they kind of yeah. like this is one thing, and for a while, and it's kind of like yeah. look at the pretty thing, and now let's go. You know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you have to have a passion. I used to think if you did enough shows, right? But then you see some people, and you go, well, "That person has done a lot of shows, and they haven't gotten any better." And I think it. You know, it's like a I, singer. Somebody can have passion for singing, right. but still be bad. That's right. I I don't have any. I mean, literally zero musical talent. You know, I mean, Penn Penn tried to get me to start a little band with him, the Naughty Cowboys, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, cool. I was going to be the singer. That's and I, cool. you know, and so we, you know, he got a couple three good mu- musicians, and I'm like, dude, I can't sing. And he says, doesn't matter if you can sing. You know these songs are going to be funny, and you're going to be funny up there. Yeah, it's, it's charm. Be It'd great. be a charm. Thing. And I, and they're like, "All right, you come in on four. And I'm like, "I don't know what the <laughs> you're talking about." And they try to teach me, you know, what these beats of the music are, sure. and it just doesn't. It I can't figure it out. There's right. something I I my brain doesn't have that in it. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing happens for people who love and I love music. But I, I don't have any ability in it, and I don't believe no matter how hard I... I mean, I could probably get a little better at it, but I don't think I could be good at it. But don't you think everybody is creative if they just exercise their muscle? Nope. Hmm. Joe, well, I it's, uh, it's It's if you, if you can appreciate it. Like, I think that we're all just wired differently, and we... Yeah, and that's we, right. Some people can appreciate that, and some people don't care. And, like, like there are people that have... A, but it's heartbreaking, isn't it, for some people who... Agreed, and if they really want it. If they it really want it, and, and they're just never going to get it. That's why I think people get angry about it, because you kind of get... we The people who are frustrated frustrates kind of everyone. Mm-hmm. And so you, it's this natural thing for us as friends and people in a community to try to help people do what they want to do. But sometimes it's about yourself, and it's about... Who am I and can I really look at myself and mm-hmm. understand how I look and understand how I sound to people? Like people would just sometimes laugh at me because I'd say stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd just say something and I wasn't being funny. And you think it's because of your notoriety though? Sometimes no, there's no, 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 no. Are I'm you saying, talking about? Uh, I'm yeah. saying when I'm, I'm saying before that all oh, happened. Your speech okay. patterns and your, just the way you. I see. People would the, just the laugh. The Hodgson-ness of you. People would laugh and you, and instead of like. Me being offended, like, no, I'm a cool guy. Don't you understand? I got lots of ideas, and you don't understand how, you know, it's more like, oh, I guess that makes people laugh. I guess I got that. And, yeah. if, and if you yeah. accept, yeah. if you kind of accept it. But but I just think sometimes it's parenting. Yeah. I think if you look at parents who are funny, and, or at least appreciate. Were your parents funny? Well, my, yeah, my dad was. Yeah. He appreciated, he could appreciate what's funny and Were he yours? could be funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad's so hugely, if, you know, re, that meant a lot to everybody in my family to yeah, be funny. So yeah, my brother's you grow up funny, and you're my just, sister's funny, yeah. my mom's funny, My grand, both my grandfather's funny. Hmm. Uh, so if you grow up with parents who aren't necessarily interested in that, yet you have the idea that you want it, you may not 
understand how to cultivate that, know but, how to do that. But some so, people break out because they've had a bad home, and so they can kind of go on that. But their parents were were bad parents, but funny. Yeah, huh. my dad was a terrible parent. Interesting. But funny. But He's funny. And, and there was a reward <laughs> system if you could get him to laugh. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's right. It's thumbs up, and yeah. and it's like, and I think that was true. But he and his brother. Too. I mean, his bro- his brother. You know. My dad's brother, my uncle, also crazy funny, and his children, fun. I mean, just a yeah, you know, like your cut, like I'm hung out with your cousin. He's just got that vibe, <laughs> right? He likes that, and so that's part of it. I think that a lot of guys want to ignore if, mm-hmm. they, if you just go like some, we were talking about somebody the other day, and 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 I don't want to say who it was, but it's kind of like. If he laughs at something, it doesn't mean it's a good joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? He laughs like, at everything, and that's and that's something you. Have or he to just be, laughs at stuff that's. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's weird, and so sometimes that's a barometer too. But but again, the audience takes care of all that. If you if you can break like Mac, it, it's churning all right. these people that come into Vegas. Some people tell their friends. Some people go, I never heard of it, but it looks fun. I mean, what's your percentage of your audience? Like, when you're in Vegas, like, how many people have been there before to see you? Oh, uh, you have a lot of repeat business. Yeah, a lot of repeats. I mean, so I don't know. So what percentage? I don't know exactly. Know? But, I mean, I've, tried, I've tested it a couple of times just to sort of see. And I've done it a couple more times since I moved hotels, right, to see yeah. how many people found me in the new place, right, mm-hmm. that right. had already been Harris. So, and I would say every day it's like ten percent, ten percent that have been back, and and they bring people, and you know, you hey, this is something you got right. to see, and I, you know, and lots like, of times, like I'm sure that's happened to you, Scott, where people will go. We were in Vegas, have a big smile. We saw Matt King, and all you can do is reflect that back and go, oh yeah, he's solid. Like you don't have to spend any time on. And it now or when people ask like, me, I say, go see Matt. That's it's, right. Yeah, well, that's you right. say it, and but also, I mean, now the you know. It wasn't the same 20 years ago when I started there, 23 years ago. What was the name ago. of the hotel? It wasn't, it was it started with an M? Well, the Maxim. Maxim, that's where you yeah. were. Yeah, yeah that, that was, yeah. That's where I first so, saw you there. Right. And that was like a little 100-seat room. But And you uh, filled in for Mac, uh, sorry, for Nick for Lewin. For Nick Lewin. Yeah. Yeah. He went out on cruises, thought, okay, it's Vegas. Is- yeah, he was, yeah, I think he got burnt out. He was yeah. doing six days a week, two shows a day. I think he sort of had his fill of that. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, but, but those, you know, it was different then than mm-hmm. it is now. Now, word of mouth isn't just you telling your friends; mm-hmm. it's you telling Google. Right? Oh, that's right, TripAdvisor and, so and a, all that. Yeah, know, TripAdvisor, Yelp, yeah, Yelp. Man. and so it's important. And it's a new world that it's solid. Like you're really because you're entertaining nice, normal people that are like from around here. Yeah, these sure. people are coming to Vegas every day. Meat and potatoes, people, and they can all yeah. like agree and gather. And you know, every entertainer is like that. If they're going to go see Penn and Teller, they have that that predetermined thing. Like that's my shit. I like Penn and Teller. I like Matt King. Right. So it, it all there. It, the twain shall meet. No, we get. All, I get. I think it's fascinating that you're uh, good friends with Penn, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Well, you I mean, know what yeah, I mean? he's been well. I mean. He's I don't really like him, but he's said a lot of nice things about my yeah, show. Yeah. So it's I. It well, when you've been on that, it's a bitter pill. It's a bitter pill. When you've been on Foolish, he always says, "Oh, we're no, friends," and go over to the the show and see him. Yeah, uh, he helps yeah. out. No, it, he's 
But he I'm said so, the and, nicest And listen, stuff. that's yeah. another piece that we just need to say. And is, Pam, if you're, I don't know why you would listen to Scott Wells, <laughs> but <laughs> just because I listen to him, we, we got to back away from what we just said. What <laughs> yeah, Dick Pad set up. I was just going to say, I love I you, Pam, so and you're my, one of my guys. greatest friends. And uh, yeah. having dinner with you and sitting around talking is one of yeah. the chief pleasures of my I life. I think, I think they're obviously the apex of the industry. They'll, they're sitting in the, in the middle of something that gets bigger every day. They'll always make a beautiful dollar in this. Business. Yeah, I just think. Um, how are we doing on time? Because well, I want to wrap up. Because there's a thing we got seven minutes, and there's something we want to pitch you, Scott. Just before we do yeah, that, sure. That I wanted to talk about the Mr. Science Theater real quickly. Then, oh yeah, sure. because I said real quickly. I, we that was going to pack that. <clears throat> And yeah. that started in what year? I got it from the amazing Jonathan. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. You started in what year as far as the television uh, picking that up? 88. And, and trying to pitch that and going to the networks, I guess, where'd you, how'd you finally, was it Comedy Central picking it up? I wasn't even involved I, with that part I of it? I didn't, no, no. Um, I, I, um, if you forgot the history, hesitant. I can tell them. I was hesitant <laughs> to, no, I was hesitant to try to pitch it. Because I knew that people wouldn't get it. That's I goofy. knew that executives wouldn't get it. Right. And I had, had just had a period of time where I was trying to develop ideas outside of my stand-up of something I could do regularly and live in Minneapolis. Like, mm-hmm. That's what I not wanted to Not have to, to move. Do. Yeah. Yeah, and not have to travel and not have to be in L.A. or New York. So I really wanted to do that. And and so I was able to develop it over time like I said it's the idea started in high school mm-hmm. and kind of through college like I saw um, this great book called the Med the Medved brothers did called the Golden Turkey Awards which is all about ironic mo- movie viewing like Plan 9 from Outer Space yeah. or Robot Monster mm-hmm. and I saw that and I go these these movies are adorable why isn't anybody doing a show with these right and that's the other piece of it but nobody's giving development deals and then you got these other two guys in <laughs> you got these other two guys who are writers and comedians as well I guess who've been working the circuit well, or that's kind of, that came later la- that's okay. way later because we have to you have to cook the idea first right mm-hmm. it's not just this and this and then you bring in people it's like the, how do you make it all work within the world of the show right. a lot of it cued off the silhouettes the silhouettes yes. I didn't want three doughy white guys to be yeah. sitting in the theater seats and if they didn't like the movie why didn't they one's leave one's plenty right right I don't think so. It's got to be three. No, but I'm saying one doughy white guy. Yeah, I'm the doughy white guy. The rest can go. The rest of y'all can go. So that's where the robots came from, the idea of unique silhouettes. The idea that one... uh, And you couldn't leave because you're out on a They know who I am. I have these robot companions, and I kind of loosely based it on a movie called Silent Running, which is a Douglas Trumbull film. Mm-hmm. And so the, he were you a, a movie buff? I was a guy, and no, I'm kind of casual viewer. Yeah, okay. I think I just I have a normal relationship with movies. I feel okay, not a big fan. I mean, not a fan. Oh no, no, no! no I love boy. movies, yeah. but I'm just saying I I wouldn't I, I don't want to position myself as a as an authority. Gotcha. I just like them. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's the that's kind of the onus of the show, and then at a certain point, um, <clears throat> we had to make it. And I felt obliged to make a pilot. I felt mm-hmm. that I couldn't pitch it. I wasn't didn't think I was capable of pitching it or, or teaching someone what I was thinking. So we made it locally in Minneapolis for about twenty six episodes. And by the time we from the time we started till the time we finished. So we it started made, as a local show. We did it as a local UHF show. Oh, mm-hmm. And then from there we would I, I cut we cut together like an eight minute cell tape. And I took that to Comedy Central to a guy named Stu Smiley, who I had met 
uh, I, I co-wrote uh, the uh, Seinfeld's first HBO special. Mm -hmm. So I knew him from working on that a few years pr prior. So the idea was develop it, hopefully in Minneapolis, and then try to sell it. And that's how that happened. Ah, okay. So that's kind of the the, the genesis. And they bought it right thing. away, or did it kind of get passed yeah, around? Yeah, it was really neat. It was one of those experiences where I brought the tape in, I, I show it to Stu Smiley, and he gets on the phone, and right away he's going, uh, uh, Lola, I need you to make copies of this VHS. I'd like you to get it to all these, you know, he starts barking out wow. all these other executives, and it's, it was all happening right in front of me. Wow. So it all <laughs> You're thinking I'm living in a dream right yeah, now. Yeah, it was all really cool, but then they wanted us to move to New York, and we didn't want to do that because it, we felt it would be hugely disruptive because mm -hmm. we had friends and family. And sure. So we said no, and we said, well, if you if you buy it from us, we'll, we will make it, but we'll make it in Minneapolis, and that's how we did it. And then after that ended, which I guess was just due to ratings or something? What, what? Well, well, wait a second. Just ended. I mean, we had, I think, six years. I mean, we, made over, uh, we had made over 100, uh, 150 shows. So you, you say that ended. It was well, like, that's a ton of work. No, work <laughs> I don't mean there, to diminish yeah. that in any way yeah, whatsoever. That's like, a huge, that's like saying, Sounded that's like saying just, just your German shepherd died after 12 years, just. I'm saying like, <laughs> it's like, just, come on, can't you get that German shepherd to live a few more years? What's wrong? Well, I'm thinking like Seinfeld, you know, that eventually that ended then too. You know, yeah, so if you compare me to Seinfeld, I'll always come up short. <laughs> can't help it. But anyway, after that, it went, it moved around, had a nice long life of 11 years mm -hmm. and then they stopped I, and then you mean of repeats of some of the shows or was no, no, no. Uh, the make show it? ran for 11 years made over 180 episodes mm -hmm. had a nice long life and then it kind of went dormant and just did DVDs and stuff and then about 7 years ago I brought it back so we've mm -hmm. been doing we've probably done um, a total of 30 shows now but why are you no then. longer there, because they got the new guy. I've forgotten his name. I'm who, 62 years old, man. That's why I'm not there. You know, I look like you, Colonel Sanders. So now uh, your name is just there as a creator. You're not really a producer involved too much as you were before. Or? No, no, no. I'm, I'm still intimately involved. I'm still involved with it. Yeah, and I will be for a little while. You still writing for them? Uh, yeah, I'm, so uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm the executive producer, so I'm involved with every bit of it. Well, interesting thing is that you'd mentioned about how they you did the Kickstarter in order to raise like 12 million dollars or so. For that, or what was it? Or uh, yeah, that's in the neighborhood. Like probably, I, it's kind of around that thirteen million. And then you brought in the million. people who are the big donors in order to have some yeah. sort of a uh, oh, yeah. invention we have, thing. We have donors that um, some people have um, uh, at a certain really level a lot of money to yeah. participate with the show, and we have going from. Uh, we have rewards that are from maybe $5 up to $20,000. Mm -hmm. So those people all, we have about 40,000 people that wow. paid for the latest season. We're, uh, it's it's called the Gizmoplex. It's our own virtual theater. Mm -hmm. It's basically our own platform. So those are, those. are that's what we do now. But we also have 20 episodes on Netflix, and we're 100% mm -hmm. fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. That's what I've been watching. Yeah, 100% yeah. fresh. That's great. Yeah, yeah so but I've been watching on Netflix. We're super proud of it. So it's still rolling. We're super happy. I'm still, we're still running, man. I'm Mac still, and I are still at it. Are there some things, by the way, on Netflix that you can say or do that are different than what you could have done on Comedy Central, I assume? 
No, it, language know, or whatever. Show, you know what I mean? Our show, as you it's probably noticed, yeah, it was never like we're family show. We're right. We're family fourteen or whatever. So mm-hmm. we never uh, got into the dirty stuff or scatological. Right. You know, we were pretty clean. It's just our wheelhouse, and it's part of the reasons of our success. I think. Mm-hmm. Because it's fam- what I would call family fringe, I guess. Let, let me ask family you. Family fringe is good. I, people ask me to describe my show. I never thought of the word, that yeah. two-word phrase. Yeah. Really I mean, nice. right? Yeah, because right? I mean, because I mean, I always just say, yeah. I mean, it's people ask me about that all the time. Oh, it's a kids show, right? Because they think it's a kids show, and because it's in the afternoon, right? Uh, and like, hey, you know, kids are welcome, but it's not a show designed for kids, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and neither is and, yours. And right? there's but no it's, but right, kids. and it's all ages, really. Yeah, what yeah. you're saying, and I, I'm really proud that it's all ages, yeah, right? That like eight-year-olds like it, and eighty-eight-year-olds like it, and even worse, or harder for me. I don't know about for you, but harder is eighteen-year-olds like it. Yeah, right. And why why is that harder? Because they're cynical little. Yeah, sometimes. Fair enough. I know. They know, know it all. You were, remember, think about when you were 18. You're right? Superman. You were, you know, you... Yeah, it would hard, it'd be hard to impress an 18-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Especially okay. Especially if you're in Vegas and your parents want to drag you to this thing. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's true. I mean, I'm super proud of that, too, that, um, like, we both grew up in the church, man. And so it's like, you want to be able to respect that, and you don't want to, like, kind of make those people disappointed that supported you, so... They got to roll with it. Yeah, I mean, it used to be in my act, right? I was, th- I would always think, would my grandmother think this is? Yeah, funny, same right? with me. And, same know, with or me. Would she and be a, feel- would she be if she was sitting there? Would she go? I can't believe that he said that. Yeah, he said that. Mac and, makes a good living, but it's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and because I don't have any qualms about it, right? And, right. You know, Some people do that, and they do it really well. Yeah. Any great comic, yeah, Chappelle no, I, or anybody no, can I mean, go and there. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah and, but you're working uh, in Vegas, and then what, uh, Joel, exactly are you doing? Mainly, what exactly is your, are you, are you doing? focused more towards uh, the Mystery Science Theater and trying to continue to work with that, or is that a kind of a side gig well, with I your age? Or performed since last year at the convention, <laughs> so I don't really do that. Uh, what I do is right now is I, I'm you write? a showrunner for what we call it showrunner. Showrunner, right. So you're, that means you're the exec producer and you have to kind of supervise everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, the costumes and just, you're just, I'm just Every mostly detail. looking at stuff all day long and saying, oh, that looks good, that's fine, or we have to solve this problem, or we had a big success. You know, you're always, it's always vacillating, but right now I, I, I'm the exec producer, I run it. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't, if it all goes bad, it's on me. If it all goes great, it's on me. And right now it's right. all going great. So I look good. I know. Real good. But like next on- week. It could go to <laughs> it could go to crap. So anyway, here's what we're pitching. Yeah. Oh what's, yeah. What's we up? think we love. I mean, beyond the church was the Church of Colon. <laughs> the, church the Church of, of Colon. Colon. Yeah. And, and, and Abbots. Yeah. And and we both had these real profound experiences with this place. I did it remotely because I lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh-huh. and he was able to come up. I, yeah, yeah, a lot many of times. times. I mean, I started times. coming when I was like 15 and came when I was 16 and 17 and 18. And you and competed back in 77? Yeah. So that I was 17 at that point, right? So that's the second year or third year I was here. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. but yeah, uh, and, uh, and I kept coming until... Uh, I got out of college. And until you won, because you got like third place or something. What's that? And you kept I coming. never won. Yeah, you got third place. Oh, you said I, never won. Okay. Yeah, I got third place, <laughs> and then I think the next year I didn't even place. Yeah. Because I was doing Terry Seabrook's bill routine. Yeah. 
Burnt Bill, yeah. <laughs> Burnt Bill routine, word for word, like his directions. Yes, yeah. it's funny and, and I, solid. I must, it's unbelievable. It's one of the greats. Yeah. And so, but, I mean, that's how you start, too, right? You're going, okay, I'm going to be, I'm gonna, this, this fits me perfectly. I'm going right. to do this exactly the way he did it. And, you know, and over the course of the years, you change that if, if that's important to you. Um, so, but I, I did that in the second time I was in the contest, and I didn't know. I must have gotten here a day late because mm-hmm. I didn't know that the night before, Terry Seabrook had done that exact routine. <laughs> uh, and so it was the silence. It was the silence. That's uh, <laughs> If he so, wouldn't have shown up, we would have hoped for COVID back then. <laughs> he was scrawny, so, anemic, a scrawny, anemic, bald So, but anyway, man. what your your point yeah. is, we love Colin. We've, I've yeah, been coming many yeah, years in I, person, and he's it's influenced his whole... My experience with it was completely through the catalog. Mm-hmm. Because I was never going to get here, I couldn't figure it out, and I, I knew guys from my magic club would go, but it was very grown up. Like, oh, they went and stayed in a mobile home and got hammered, and I didn't think I'd be able to talk my mom into letting me go. <laughs> and so, but as adults and all that, once we started autonomous, like, autonomous, <laughs> once we realized that it's a big word, we know that Abbott's is is strong. It's very strong with us as far as being influential it's unique in all the world as a place as an event and as a place that was basically you know almost trying to create like a oh no dude when i walked up to the house this week yeah i started crying mm. it just this mean this place means so much to me it's real special and, and i yeah. think all of us from the midwest had that experience where this is where these great acts from all over the world would come to this little town. Right. And you just, when I first heard about, like, when the Long Beach Mystics came in here and, like, kicked ass. Yeah, I was in the audience for that. Everybody's, just, like, talking about it, and you realize that people could break here in Colon, and that's part of the dream, too. Back that's what then. influenced Kevin James after he saw that he moved to L.A. Yeah. Yep. So, he said, and, I want to drink what they're drinking. guys in Franz Ferrari's yep. in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, Who's the guy who acts like a gay guy? Jeff Hobson. Hobson, yeah. So it's like he came from here, too. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so we were all kind of, but I was so outside that I would have killed to be able to just sit in the audience and get passed over with my bill, my burnt bill routine. <laughs> I would have given anything for that. So anyway, so what are you we pitching? had this, we dawned on us when we were hanging out that, um, we need. We want to take over. We want to do the next next week's Wednesday, next year's Wednesday night show and do a um, Senator Crandall show. Awesome. So we want wow. to do the guys who won won the Senator Crandall show. They should reprint that book. You know, absolutely. I mean, celebrate him. Do pictures. Yeah. You know, take that picture of him, plaster it everywhere. Yeah. And um, and and just go for it. You know, yeah. totally. But the, but, but, but the idea. But the being, whole show is people who have been. Who've won the Clark Crandall Crandall Award for comedy? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, and the other piece of this too is Nick Defoe. The idea that he, we think he's in line for the next one. What is he like? Twenty six, I think, right now or something. Yeah, Yeah. but the guy's a dynamo. He here's what happened Wednesday night that you have to be alert to. We had been right. We had written a special piece that featured Tim Wright. Right. When he says we, he doesn't mean me and him. No, it's Nick. Nick. Nick, uh, 
Tim Wright and myself have been working almost all year just talking about this and doing this thing we call the parade, which is a parade for Catalog 20. Mm -hmm. Abbott's. And, uh, for Abbott's. Okay. So it's really fun. It's like a parade and you just go through the catalog. Sure. Work, right? And, and we touched on that a lot when we were doing that creation thing yesterday is what do you remember about Abbott's? What are these tricks? And so he had to take over the show on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. because, because Tim had COVID, Tim right. so they COVID. couldn't do that bit. Yeah, right. so, so that represent. but then Mac was in that. He was going to do Yeah, Attaboy. I was supposed to be in it. Carbonero was supposed to be in it. Carbonero was going to do Dissecto. Was Guy Hollingworth in that? He that wasn't in. He no. was no. He was, was just going to be on the, our yeah. show. Okay. He's act. a Brit, and yeah. they don't get Out. in. They don't get Nothing. in. Nothing. No. So anyway, <laughs> then Abbott's we, didn't mean anything to him. Yeah. yeah. You know so what I, mean? I understand. So, yeah. so then, um, where were we? I'm losing the thread. Oh, you were just talking about Nick taking over the show. Well, listen. So all of a sudden, we lose Carbonaro, who's mm -hmm. the closing of this thing. Yeah. We lose Tim Wright, who's the guy who's we really wrote it around around him. Because Tim Wright, he worked here. Not exactly. just that. In, in yeah. the woodworking. He came here, he worked in the shop, he was a demonstrator. Right. He did magic all through his career at Clark. Mm -hmm. And then he does this wonderful Comedy. Skinny act. Which, yeah. and, and it's all, it was kind of like a self, you know, yeah. meet He used meet to open this for yeah. Jonathan. You know, some of, those, yeah. some of that stuff he learned from Neil Foster here in his act. So And he was Tom Mullica's wingman when Tom Mullica was breaking his chops mm -hmm. and going into Sturgis to right. the bowling alley and going to bars. Tim was in all that, so we kind of built it around him. And when Tim got pulled out because of COVID, we throw to Nick and go, Nick, you just got to fill in. And he took over. He took over he did his a great MC. Job. Mm -hmm. He took over closing. He's the he was effectively the, the MC. Yeah. I had ten minutes, a ten minute PowerPoint that I was going to do. That's all mm -hmm. I had. Bizarro came in and did double time. Bizarro's brilliant. Right. And then we had a really good, a bright young juggler, Doug Stanford, who came in. Mm -hmm. And so we pulled it together. But because of that, ergo, I think he gets the Crandall Award this year. What do you think? Yeah. I, I think mean, so, too. But so. I, mean, I don't think either of us, I mean, as past <laughs> winners, neither of us have actually won an entire Crandall Award. Well, yeah. We, you shared it, right? Yeah, both, both of you twice. Year, both twice. twice. Last <laughs> year and in 88 or something, something like that. Yeah. So we share the Crandall. But so that, must mean, that must mean something, though, if we say yeah, well, you he would gets think. a Crandall, don't, doesn't that mean something? I don't. I mean, we're the only living Crandall Award winners that are still alive. Well, didn't Tim Wright win? Tim, I'm, I bet Tim's won. I bet Cabney's won. Yeah, that's right. So I bet that there's a lot of They're them. still alive, aren't but they? But it would be cool to say they were all dead. <laughs> yeah. It would be really cool. It would piss them off. <laughs> so your pitch is for next year for our Wednesday to we recreate want, we what think, you didn't do this we year. We think that we can do a, uh, at least a Cran the Crandall show on Wednesday. We want that. We think we deserve it. We just want it. to come back every year. <laughs> that's really right. true, and we're trying to scam our way into coming back, yeah. basically. But we think that's worthy. We think it's right. Not have to pay a registration fee. Yeah. Well, that's part of it. <laughs> I mean, but, that's 300 Samoans yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of our piece. So we okay. hope that we know. We like that, being a part of We this. know that magicians sure. love your show. We know that a lot of people are listening to this. We want to write say, in. Write in. Yeah, if you could write Start to a writing uh, campaign. Debbie Bordner. Debbie Bordner. Just an email an, or a note, a card would be cool. We want the Crandall just, Show. We want the Crandall Show next year. That's what we're hoping and for. And if she says no, the Crandall Show, no one cares. Uh, the Church just, of Crandall and Colon. We just want we just want a show. <laughs> I think but, it, take, but the Crandall thing is a good way to hang out. I think the Crandall show is the easiest way to do it. Yeah. And so anyway, that's our piece. We hope that the people listening kind of take that to heart. 
respond to it and just kind of tell her friends about what we're planning. It's a lot like Holiday Inn, like Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. We've got this big idea. You right. know, the GIs can all band together and help us. <laughs> that's like Christmas, by the way. Oh, Holiday that's Christmas. Inn. Christmas. Oh, yeah. Holiday Inn is Bing and uh, 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 Fred Astaire. Oh, right, right, right. So you really yeah. aren't a big fan of movie fan. I mean, buff, I should say. Yeah. So yeah, between I, the two of yeah. you. White Christmas I, is the one in the war. Yes. And, uh, That's right, White yeah, Christmas. Yeah. That came later. Well, as see, we, if I position myself as a movie expert, I'd look like a dick right, <laughs> <laughs> right So as we close, and we are, the name of my podcast is called The Magic Word. And I always ask my guests, what is it that's your philosophy of life? What is your, not necessarily a word, what is it that you live by? What's important when you wake up in the morning that kind of gives you purpose? Oh man! Not a, that's oh, not, that's, that's tough, man. We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I think I think um, I think I respect. I think to me, when I'm around my friends who do magic, I I respect kind of that. I'm always kind of amazed at ethically what goes on when a magician does something, mm-hmm. asking permission kind of making sure you're kind of direct as much as you can if you're using right. somebody's idea. Um, there is a um, there is kind of a parlance to it or a way to do it. And when people come up and say, hey, I want to use that bit, sometimes you go, yeah, I don't care, go ahead. Sometimes you go, wow, I really don't want you to. I love this bit. I want to keep it. There's a, there's, I would say that in this context, that's what I'd say to magicians is learn those rules. If it's in a book, you're, it's probably... You probably have a, sh- you know, it's probably yours. You're free to do it. If you took it from a guy you saw doing it live, you might want to ask him if you're taking so the. So you're, you're saying respect the art, basically. Um, just respect the people who make stuff. I okay. Think that because the art is a, a big amalgam of a bunch of crap, you know, mm-hmm. that makes it a thing, right? Yeah. But don't you think, Mike, like, I, I love... That's nice, yeah. I respect love, the people that make stuff. I love that, that we spend time talking about it, going, what's the gene, what's the origin of that bit? Whose idea was it, and what is the proper way to proceed if you really want to use it? Mm-hmm. And some, and I think there's something there. There is some kind of rule there. Well, some things get lost in the mist, and, and don't know who started the line or whatever. Like my buddy Fumio Inagaki is one who came up with the UPC gag. But what's before, that? Where the, like, uh, you're going down the aisle of the grocery, and you you can pick up any item. What did you get? Kellogg cereal. And how much and does how it cost? How much was it? And I have that prediction, and it's just a UPC. Oh, UPC. right. Yeah. yeah, that gag. Yeah. yeah. So know, he it's can't. Like the no gag or whatever, you know. It's like, yeah, it's like it, the babies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he had come up with that idea a long time ago, but his name is unfortunately being lost in the mist, sure. kind of a thing. Right. But So, Mac, what about you? I mean, that's I mean, a really great. I don't, I don't know how to top that. I mean, that. your family? It, or? It's always been a competition between us all our lives. <laughs> so I'd like to think of something better than that if I could. Uh, well, I would, how, about, I, how about listening, Joel? I'd take that, and that was, that was something you brought That was something Mac brought up. That was something Mac brought up earlier, and I think I have to listen to him. <laughs> yeah. the listening, thing. I think. Being a good listener. Be a good uh, listener. With the audience, I think that's key because there's sometimes we have friends that – you want to approach on certain things like, oh, they say something that's hard on the ear, it's right. grass, or they're dressing weird or whatever, mm-hmm. and you just kind of want to talk. Sometimes you want to talk to people, but if they listened to the audience, it would correct that. Yeah. If they really listened, 
a lot of these things we don't have to worry about. So be in the moment and listen to what's going on. You know what it is, too? One last thing is autonomy. It's like I think I met all these great people because I had autonomy and they didn't have to worry about me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to make them look bad. I'd make them look good if I went in front of them because I'd tee up the audience and get them excited. They always liked me. Or if I had to follow them, it was fine, too, because I could do a good job with the audience. But I think... We're always looking for people who are a little more autonomous and can manage it. You know, can you manage getting up in front of people and do well with it? I mean, that's fun, too. Like, I met great people because they didn't have to worry about me. Right, right. You know. Well, this has been great. A ton of fun. Thank you guys very much. Thanks, man. Thank you very much for the Magic Word Podcast. That was Joel Hodgson and also Matt King. This is Scotty out. Well, what fun was that? I really had a great time. I hope that you did, too. Not only to hear some great stories and to have a few laughs, but also to learn a little bit then, too. It was interesting to hear some of the background of these guys of not actually studying improv and in the different courses that their paths have taken, I guess, in their lives, uh, having both started out and working in comedy clubs and doing magic then as well. And so it's just congratulations to both of you guys for the successes that you have had in your lives and the things that are still yet ahead of you because I know there is a lot yet to go. And so anyhow, I hope that you, the listener, really enjoyed this as much as I did actually giving an opportunity to present this to you guys. Well, I uh, told you at the uh, beginning of the show that we were going to announce the people who were the winners of the contest. And I think now's a pretty good time to announce that. I want to first of all thank uh, everybody who had entered the contest, sent in your entries, because we had just about 100 people who had entered this contest, which is more than most of our contests. This really is a testament to Seth Kramer and the book that he's written, because most people recognize how important this book really is. So let me announce the two randomly selected names, and they were Matthew Jacques and Robert Lamar. Congratulations, guys. And as for the rest of you, thank you again for entering. We could only have two winners, so sorry not everybody could uh, be a winner. However, you could be a winner if you go ahead and take advantage of the deal that Seth Kramer was offering. He has a, a twin deal that you can get not only a copy of his Modern Trade Show Handbook, but also a download of his Penguin Lecture that is normally $95, and he has on sale to listeners for only $75. Such a deal. So you might look at taking him up on that while the offer is still valid. Well, this episode has gone on a little bit longer than our usual, so let me wrap it up by saying stay well, get booked, and remember to respect the creators. This is Scotty out.